Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. Honestly, it's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and talk about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference in your life. And that's what we're going to hear from Richard in a way that only he can do with words of hope, insight, and humor. You may be stuck in traffic or stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help get you on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. So let's get right into today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Bugatti. So if you're a car enthusiast and particularly a speed enthusiast, then you know Bugatti. And if you know Bugatti, then you know Chiron. Only 600 produced, they cost $3 million. Buyers usually have an average of 30 cars in their household or they can't even put down the $250,000 deposit to buy one. Let me give you some stats on this car. 62 miles an hour in less than 2.5 seconds. 186 miles per hour in 13.6 seconds. The Chiron's true top speed is yet unknown, but the current figure is still 261 miles an hour. They actually believe it could reach 300 miles an hour, but no one makes a tire yet that could withstand those speeds. And I'll talk about that in a second. It took it on the speed test when it hit the 250 miles an hour. By the way, it hit 250 miles an hour in 32.6 seconds, and it needed 9.4 seconds to break to a standstill. It was going so fast, that's how long it took to hit the brakes and stop the thing. 8.0 liter quadro turbo W16 to be exact, produces 1500 horsepower and at top speed it can drain the Chiron's 26.4 gallon tank in less than 10 minutes. Although it gets pretty good mileage around town. So listen to this, even at 261 miles per hour, the wheel and tire has to withstand extreme forces. The valve cap, where you put the air in, on each wheel weighs 2.5 grams, but it equals to 16 pounds at 261 miles per hour with that much G-force. And as the speed moves higher, the loads increase exponentially. So it's almost unbearable on the tire on everything about the car. So here you say, well, why in the world do you do a sermon on Bugatti? So here's something interesting about this car. It has, if you get in the car and you look over on the left, on the kind of the right to the left of the seat, there's a little place for a key. And there's a little place for a key to go in. But it's not the key that starts the car. It's the speed key. And the key is used if you want to hit the 261 miles per hour. But the car will not go beyond a certain speed, which we're going to even do this, without the key. So you have to take that key out, open it up, put it in the key, turn it. And when you put that key in, the car says, okay, so now you want to go. It lowers, it checks the age of the tires, it determines if you have enough straightaway because this car will shut down if your arms, your hands go more than 90 degrees on the steering wheel. If you turn it more than that, all systems will stop and say, we're not doing it. It's not safe. There's actually on the front wheels, little things that deploy little flaps that come out from underneath the car to give you a little more aerodynamic. The wing comes up, it tilts at a certain angle. I mean, this car says, okay, so you want to go. Well, the conditions have to be right or we're not doing it. 
and the car has to be right or we're not doing it. But without that key, it's not going to optimum speed. Now, there's really only a few places on the planet, by the way. You say, well, who would buy a $3 million car that could go 261 miles an hour, maybe more, if they could find tires to handle it? There's only a few straightaways. I think there's an airport in Germany where they've got enough runway where you can get it up to speed and bring it back down. You say, well, why would somebody spend $3 million just to own a car that goes fast, but there's nowhere to go fast? Just so you can say you have it. Anybody understands cars, you know, it's just, it's a guy thing probably. And by the way, most of these cars are owned by men. So maximum performance. So does the Christian life have a speed key? You say, and if you're a Christian, and by the way, if you're not a Christian, then I highly recommend settling that issue. You say, well, how do I become a Christian? You finally say, I've had enough of me. Probably God's had enough of me. I'm a sinner. I'm screwed up. And if I don't do something different, don't change something, and my heart doesn't change, my eternity doesn't change, my past isn't dealt with, I'm not going to make it. So you say, God, I believe that you love me, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, was buried and raised from the dead. I accept the gift that you offer of eternal life. Come live in me, come live through me, change me. I wanna be your child, I wanna spend eternity with you. And people repeatedly say, well, it can't be that easy. And I say, easy for who? Easy for you, easy for me, because all I do is say thank you and take it. But what did it cost him? It cost him his son's life. It cost Jesus his very life, his lifeblood, to get us in relationship with him and into his family. So you say, okay, well now I'm a Christian, so now what? I thought for a long time it was just get the first key, the key to eternal life, so I got the key and that's it. And I'm just kind of riding around town in my Bugatti life, having no idea that I even have a Bugatti. Don't know who I am, don't know what I've got under the hood, just kind of going nowhere, doing not much of anything, not maximizing it. But then you start learning along the way, there's more to this. That maybe God put you here and left you here for some purpose. There is a maximization of that purpose if you're open to that. Let's start in Luke chapter 9. Now, I'm going to read you some verses, and if you really listen to these verses and think about what I'm reading you, you're not going to like them because they're going to go against everything that we are as human beings. But if you're going to pull the speed key and insert it and say, okay, God, game on, let's do this thing, then something is going to have to change. You're going to have to be willing to do that, and the situation's going to have to be right. And you say, well, what if God's not willing? Let me tell you something about God. If you're game, he's game. You and I are very, you think three million bucks is expensive? It cost him his son to get us into his family, to own us. Luke chapter 9, verse 18, and it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him and asked him, saying, who do the crowd say that I am? So they answered and said, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others say that one of the old prophets has risen again. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, the Christ of God, the Messiah, in other words. And he strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one. And I thought the whole point was to tell everybody that. But at this point, he said, don't be telling anybody that yet. Saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then he said to them all, not just to Peter. Now listen to this. And if you've been a Christian a while, you know what this says. You know what I'm about to read you. And if you're not a Christian very long or you're not a Christian at all, I'm telling you up front 
this is not just about getting a ticket and making heaven. There is more to this than that. It is not that you do more in order to get in. Once you know that you're his and that you have a place in heaven, but you're still here, you say, okay, then why am I still here? Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, so you want to follow me, then the first thing is what? Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, You say, well, is that the speed key? That's part of the speed key. You say, well, I'm not interested in that. The first thing takes most people out. You say, well, I like having Jesus in me. I like the benefits, uh, no heaven and joy and all these things that are supposed to be available, but I'm just gonna putt around town the rest of my life. I'm not interested in maxing this thing out. Then you're never gonna get past deny yourself. What does it mean to deny yourself? It means when self says, I'm going to do this, and God says, no, we're going to do this other thing, you say, okay, I will deny me what I say I'm going to do and do what he says to do. And then where does that lead you? Taking up a cross, which represents what? Death to you, suffering. I had a conversation with an old man recently who's basically, he's just figured out and he has enough money to do this that he can just do the, you know, whatever the, he wants to do. Anything he wants, he can just pay for it. And I said to him, I said, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. And now he's unhappy because all these things that he has given to his flesh done that he's doing and just living like hell, basically. I said, dude, this is never going to work. And now you're unhappy because that does not work. So what is he going to have to do? He is going to have to have a mind to suffer. What does it mean to suffer? When your flesh says we're going to do X, you say, no, you're not. Now you say, well, I don't have the power to say that, but you have power within you to say no to the enemy and do the right thing, or this does not work. You say, well, it doesn't work for me. You cannot say that unless you try it. And the average Christian just kind of, it's a lay down. Just, ah, woe is me, and I, I just can't. Put the stinking key in, turn it, and say, okay, God, let's do this already. Deny yourself. How are you going to follow Christ if he says, we're not doing this anymore, and you're unwilling to deny what? You say, I'm going to do what I want to do. And he says, no, you're not. If you're going to follow me, you say, well, then I'm not going to follow you. And you wonder why you don't see him very often. Because you're nowhere near him because you're unwilling to follow him because we're unwilling to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So you say, well, I got to hold on to this thing. If I let go of this, I'll, I'll lose it. I won't get what I want. And God says, if you hold on to your life, instead of letting it go for his sake, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for his sake, boom, that's when you find it. You say, but it's just too scary. What about my dreams? What about my goals? What about him? What if you are here, like the Bible says, like you're like a vapor, you're here for that long and then you're gone and you stand before God, or as a believer, you stand before Christ and you give an account and you go, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? I must've been crazy. This is what it was supposed to be about. And I got tricked, I got deceived. I got taken out by the enemy, distracted, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, whatever it was, he played me. And yes, I'll end up in heaven, but I missed out on life. Keep reading. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, and then he goes on to the next section. Okay, so what's this going to require for you to do this thing? It requires faith. 
You've got to take a step of faith. You've got to say, okay, God, this is scary. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I know what my life looks like where I'm in control, smoking weed, drinking, porn, whatever it is you're doing. And you say, well, I can't give all that up. That's how I've managed my life. What's it going to look like without that? Give it a shot. What if it's tremendous? What if you're not a prisoner anymore to some sin? What if you're not a slave anymore? What if you just open the thing up and your life takes off like never before and you realize this is what I was made to do? This is who I am. I'm going to tell you something. When you meet someone who's got the speed key in, you know you've met that person. There is no question. It is a whole nother person. You say, well, we're all Christians. We all got Christ living in us but not everybody's letting him live in and through them the way you could, the way I could. When I am firing on all cylinders, paying attention, walking with him, there are things that happen that are just extraordinarily mind-boggling that would never happen if I am not paying attention and not rightly connected to him. And so the devil's, what he's trying to do is keep me distracted, take me out so I don't stay connected and I don't get the work done today. John chapter 14. Now, before you get too discouraged, you say, well, is everybody living like you're talking about but me? No. You say, well, then why are you pushing so hard on this? Do you live like this every day? No. But that's a problem. That's a big problem. Now, what should be happening? The longer you live, the longer you follow Christ, the longer you attempt to deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow him, then the more you do, the more you do. And that becomes the thing that's just part of your deal. You're like, you know what? I'm not living this way anymore. I'm going to do what he said. And that becomes addictive because you see the benefits of trusting him and following him and obeying him and that your life, maybe it's tougher, but it was tough doing it your way. So this should change. Okay, go on down to verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. And whatsoever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you. You know who the Holy Spirit is, because he dwells with you and will be in you. Big difference in having someone with you and in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So greater things. You say, well, does that mean I'm going to be able to walk on water? It's not about all that stuff. But I do think there's way more supposed to be happening through us than is happening through us. And in one sense, the word here greater means he is confined to one body while he was on the planet, but now the Holy Spirit comes in the context here and moves into all these believers and then kaboom. And if you look at the early church, within months, this thing exploded and within no time was all the way to Rome. So could God be doing more through you than he's doing just being in you right now? Or have you maxed out? Now you say, well, I don't know if I have an answer for that. I'll give you some indicators. Last thing he said before he left the planet was what? As you're going, make disciples. If you've denied yourself, taken up your cross, following him, you either are being discipled because you're a young Christian or you're making disciples. If you're not making disciples, you got no key in the car. It's not happening. 
That's an indicator. I sat with a guy one day who had kind of gotten in my face about some things and, you know, wasn't happy, you know, you can't talk to me this way. I said, dude, all right, let me just ask you a question. Let's go with 10 years. How many people have you discipled in the last 10 years? And this guy had been a believer for 30 or 40, just stared at me. I said, how many people have you led to Christ in the last 10 years? And he stared at me. If that's your story, something ain't working. Now you say, well, maybe no one becomes a Christian with me, but I'm sharing the gospel all the time. Okay, that's good. Say that. But I hate to tell you, if you're sharing the gospel all the time, somebody's going to get saved. Sooner or later, a baby's going to have to get delivered, and you're going to be there to deliver it. Now you say, well, I thought we were supposed to come to church and it be encouraging. This is real encouraging. You'll do something with it. If you leave discouraged, it's because you're going to do anything with it. I mean, if you came in planning to sit on your butt and leave and stay on your butt, it ain't going to change. So what's the motivation for all this? Like, we just want to stir us all up and make us feel bad or feel good. No, it's the kingdom of God at stake. It's not even just about us. It's about him. We reflect on him. We claim that he loves us and we love him. Then we'd keep his commandments. If you say you love him, you're going to do what he said. My wife asked me about, let's see, the original ask she said, would you hang these things in the brick walls of our house that keep the curtains back? You know how long it took me to hang those things? A year. <laughs> and she didn't harass me about it, but she mentioned it again. And you know what kind of finally goes through your brain? What am I thinking? Why would I not just do a simple work? It's sure it's going to be a pain, and I don't like drilling into brick and all that mess. But how hard could this be, and how would it make her feel? So... I finally hung things up. He said, well, why didn't you do that before? Listen to the echo. Why didn't you do that before? And he's been saying this your whole life. You became a Christian, he said, get baptized. Oh, let me pray about that. You don't have to do much praying about getting baptized. You need to quit your praying on a bunch of stuff that don't need praying. You need to pray if you're unwilling, but he's asked you to do something. Just do it. Let's keep reading. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. All right, here we go. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels like clay pots, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not despaired. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then, death is working in us, but life in you. So you say, well, I'm nobody. You cannot be nobody if you have the God who created the universe in your body. If you could somehow buy a Bugatti body with no engine, it'd look really cool. It's just going to do nothing. You could sit in it. You could take pictures in it. But if someone says fired up, you got nothing. When you become a Christian, they deposit the engine in the body. And now everything changes. Now you got a vehicle, but you have this treasure, this engine in an earthen vessel. It's just a clay pot. What gives us value is him in us. It's Christ in you that's your hope of glory. Without Christ in you, gosh, I've been praying about that verse my whole life, and it just made sense to me right this second. Right this second, it finally makes sense. There is no glory unless he's in you. That's your only hope. So you got Jesus. So you made the decision to accept him and confess your sin, and that's all cleared up. And he says, okay, I'm in there. Let's go. Let's do this. Put the key in. Let's open this thing up. 
And the devil says what? Nah, let's go. You know, dude, don't get, okay, you're going to heaven. Good for you. Good for you. But let's don't get carried away with this. You know, these are personal things. You just can't go about talking to people about heaven and Jesus and your life being changed. Just tone it down. Tone it down. Take it easy. Chill. It's funny how chill turns into lukewarm pretty quick. All right, let me just read these to you and we won't beat them to death. Philippians, just listen. If you want to take notes, but go read them, just listen. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And then on down he says, brethren, verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Then go read 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, he says, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all these things. So don't get entangled. Run by the rules and you're going to be taken care of. You're going to get to eat of the fruit of your labor. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, turn to this one. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Some of you know this by heart, and by the way, I think that's terrific, but if you don't know it by life, I don't know what good it's doing you. People that know things by heart, those things change their life. What you may mean is I know it by head. I know what it says in my head. When you know it, what it says in your heart, that is applied to your life, and then things change. Now, how would it change? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, you're going to put the speed key in, here's what's going to happen. The denying yourself translates into this little verse right here, lay aside every weight. If you go do a little research on the Bugatti Chiron, what was the one before that? Vacheron? Phaeron. The Phaeron. The Chiron is lighter. Do you know why it's lighter than the one before it? So it can go faster. They are trying to take down everything, carbon fiber, doing everything they can to take weight off the car so that it can go faster. Same thing. Lay aside every weight. That's everything you can get rid of. And then he says something very specific. And the sin that so easily besets you. I guarantee you, everybody in the room and beyond knows exactly what that is. There is one sin, and it's not the same for all of us. But there is one sin that so easily besets us. Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the talks page, along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests, a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out, 
richardellistalks.com. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. So ask yourself this question. Is the sin that so easily besets me the goal of my life, or is running the race with endurance and hitting the finish line, Jesus, the goal of my life? It's amazing how much easier it is to lay an easily besetting sin down if you have a different goal than the sin. Heard about a conversation that a couple had recently where the woman asked the young man, is there anything you know of in your life that is keeping you from basically doing what I'm saying today? Put the speed key in and let's go. And he said, there is. And they talked about that. And he identified what that was. So what are you going to do? I recommend reaching over there on the side of the seat and taking that key and saying, okay, God, game on. Let's open this thing up. Let's do this thing. And I understand I may lose the life that I've held on to, but I'm about to find the life you intended. But if I hold on to my life, I'll lose it. If I lose it for your sake, I find it. I can promise you this, you won't be disappointed because it's some kind of ride doing it his way. This has been Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. There's only one reason we do this program, to take the planet with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our message and our mission. And you have a vital part of doing that along with us. If you've been encouraged by these talks with Richard, be sure to share with someone about the change they've made in your life. And we'd love to hear your story as to how the talks have made a difference to you. Give us a call. We'd love to talk with you. 855-6-RICHARD. You can also reach us through our website, richardellistalks.com. And while you're there, check out all the fun and informative pages we put together for you, richardellistalks.com. While you're there, be sure to click on the Contribute tab at the top to send your generous gift. If the program is making a difference to you, your gift will make a big difference to us. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.